came around too? Okay. I think the first episode came out last March. Yeah. Last March? Yeah, or this year or last year? This year? Last year. Okay. March 2021. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Dang. So, mm-hmm. been doing a whole year. Mm-hmm. That's fucking exciting. Yeah. And that's the creative hour, right? Yeah. Hell yeah. And you have a co-host? No. No, just, no, just you. just me. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, Hell yeah. day one. And so, what's your style of the podcast? Um, I mean, it's. I think it's kind of like this. It's just conversational. I mean, sometimes I try to incorporate other pieces of media. If they're okay. like an artist that maybe has some kind of video or interview that they've done, something that I can tie into what I'm talking to them about. Like okay. when I interviewed Jeffrey Clark, uh, a black tap dancer here in Columbus, like I used some sound footage from a protest that he tap danced at that okay. I organized. Um, so kind of just like, I also kind of view it as like, if this person is doing like this beautiful thing art-wise, if this is like a timestamp in their life or career, what do I want them to be able to like look back on and remember through mm-hmm. this conversation? So it's that's crazy. Yeah. I was going to say, cause that's a uh, very similar to like, kind of like when I'm like m- the goal that I'm trying to accomplish here is that like, I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of the comedians and a lot of like the people that I'm friends with, they're just really bad at marketing and mm-hmm. they just don't do a lot of, they don't either. They don't know how, or they just are just bad at it. And it's like, you know, this is a good spot to like, Hey, you know, I watch Eddie's podcast. I see comedians. I see musicians. Mm-hmm. I see you know authors or whatever. And yeah. it's like this is a good spot to like get a ground for like what's happening in Columbus. So mm-hmm. if you're coming into Columbus, you know where the shows are at, and, yeah. or if you live in Columbus, you know what's going on. So and a good way to meet people. Yeah, on a exactly. Level. Yeah, and it is so crazy because a lot of people um, have been telling me that like they'll t- they'll talk to me like right after listening to a podcast. Mm-hmm. And they're like, dude, it is really weird, like, like listening to your podcast and then talking to you right afterwards, because then it's almost like I've already been talking to you for this whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it is that has there been any part of the interviewing process that's been weird for you or like unexpected? Hmm. Now I'm interviewing you. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. That's no. This is good. This is good. Uh, No podcast host face off. Yeah, there it goes. Uh, I would say, huh, sometimes knowing the right questions. Cause like I, my, I guess my whole thing is that I'd like to let everybody be involved mm-hmm. and m- my criteria is really only that you're doing something that I can like show off, you know, showcase or whatever. Or mm-hmm. if you're like a comedian, author, musician, whatever. And so it's like, if you're like just a person, you know, I'm not saying that I'll never do that, but it's like, if you're just like working a 40 hour a week job that you don't want to talk about on the podcast, so you don't get fired, mm, but you yeah. just want to shoot the shit. I'm not like a hundred percent interested in that. Yeah. I'm more interested in like, Oh, how did you get started with what you're doing? Mm. You know what? You know, all that stuff, because yeah. that's like, that's what, what people, uh, the thing, the passions that people do, that's yeah. like what make you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, that's like how you express yourself. Yeah. Is it also like, you're kind of trying to find a narrative when you talk to people? Um, mm, kind of like, yeah. like what, like, you know, what are you up to? Like, why are you, I feel like I like to figure out why, why, mm-hmm. why are you doing this? Because yeah. it's like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. I don't even know why I'm doing this half the time. So yeah. it's like, I like to figure out what other people say. Cause then I'm like, Oh, that's a really good point. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Maybe I should evaluate what I'm doing and see if I also see that yeah. positive thing that you're seeing or whatever in your passion or hobby. Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So, but you're a writer, mm-hmm. everybody. This is Prince Shakur. Is that how you say it? Shakur? Sh- Shakur. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, no relation to <laughs> that. No. People always ask me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so you are, did I read Colombian? Is it, wait, did I read that right? Wrong? No, no I'm just from Colum- I live in Columbus. Oh, no, no, no. But your mom, where's she oh, from? Oh, my family's from Jamaica. Jamaica. My family's oh, from Jamaica. Jamaica. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. My family's from Jamaica. Sorry. I was born in the U.S., but both of my parents immigrated to the U.S. in the late 70s. Okay, so so what does that, that technically makes you first generation then, correct? Or uh, I think it's more second, second generation. generation. First generation, I think, is when you have immigrated. Oh, okay, okay. And so I'm the child of immigrants. So I okay. think that makes me second generation. Hell yeah. Dude. How would you say that that like has affected uh, like you know 
you as a person? Like, you know what I mean? Like, as you walk around. Mm. Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, I mean, from a very early age, I think I sort of got to have an understanding of class and privilege, like being black, growing up in the east side of Cleveland, like in the hood, you view life in a certain way. And then I'd go to Jamaica and it'd be like, oh, kids here don't have a Game Boy Advance or... And I went to I went to kindergarten there when I was five. So I feel like it's honestly it's so early in my memory, like okay. Jamaica and my family there, that it's almost just like I don't know. It's it's hard. It's I don't know. It's just like it's it's another way for me to feel at home. Okay. That I think maybe a lot of Black people in the U.S. don't necessarily have because you you have your culture here as a Black person, but yeah. I feel like I also have my family's culture in Jamaica. So it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I guess it maybe also just gives me another innocent understanding of the diaspora as well. You know, it's actually interesting though, cause I've thought about this a lot, uh, you know, and even just as like a white guy, like I have like no connection to my European ends. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I have no backstory. Like, yeah. so it's just like, you know, like you hear like, oh, my, your grandfather came over here, but it's like, you don't know about your family. Yeah. You don't, who's over there still? Like, yeah. is there, you know, cause there's still people over there mm-hmm. who are like not too far related from us. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, you know, who are those people, you know, what are they doing? And it's like, so it's very interesting. So like, do you still have, you still have family over there? Mm-hmm. My sister lives there. We have different mothers, but the same father, my, I have uncles that live there. My stepdad lives Damn. there. Uh, I mean, I went back last January. Oh, shit. January of 2021. And like, is it true what they say about the weed? Oh, I mean, it depends on who you're buying it from. (laughs) If you're a tourist at Sandals Beach Club, you're going to get shit. Maybe. Um, But if you're buying it from good people, it's like, I mean, I last year was the first time I ever smoked weed there ever because I had only gone there as a kid before, like pre 18. Um it was good as fuck. Like, and it's I, legal there, right? Oh, I know. Really? <laughs> no. That's why they, wow. they, that's why they got legalize it. That's so we, crazy yeah, to me. Yeah. No. It's just another way for the cops to make money. It's like that's insane. Why, why would they make it legal? That's I mean, insane. I'm sure it would actually Cuz it's like such a it's such a place, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't know. I don't think I don't want them to take tourism that far. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like I was going to say, because I feel like it's hard, you know, not knowing, you know, you literally just are starting at square one and then you just like look at your parents and you're like, fuck, this is it. This Mm. is, you know, my story is we were here in America and that's about it. Like that's, you know, and it, it does kind of suck because I feel like my family is pretty uninteresting. Do you talk (laughs) to them about your family's history? Yeah, actually my, my grandfather was really interesting. It's it's sad though because like you you find out how awesome everybody else is and then you're like ah it's just my side of the family that sucks (laughs) it's just like 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 my uh my grand or my grandfather my uncle was telling me like he was like writing books screenplays Mm. he fucking was in the army working on like uh like in a nuclear facility or whatever he was like doing all this crazy shit he like patented items that he ended up selling to companies and and yeah and then i'm like looking at my dad and he's working at a factory for 17 dollars an hour 18 dollars an hour oh, and it's like yeah. damn son like how did we get here like what is this and each generation is different <laughs> yeah, yeah dude yeah, really <laughs> i was gonna say my one uncle tell used to tell me that my dad he was so lazy that he would uh pay him to like clean his room when he was younger mm. so it, mm. my dad was just doomed <laughs> from the beginning dude. Yeah. he didn't know he was gonna be poor when he was older he was just like yeah. oh shit so yeah. go to jamaica often um and you when did you decide to start writing because like i was like watching one of your videos and i saw you said maybe like around 12 or 13 you said Mm -hmm. you started what made you want to start in the first place uh i loved reading and i was reading a lot and um yeah i mean i was in middle school i was in catholic middle school i was closeted my dad was in prison my life was hell in a lot of ways um and i just loved books like i loved them and they helped me kind of see outside of my world Mm -hmm. and i had a teacher assign our class each of us to write a short story and i wrote a short story and i don't know it's like literally since then it was like there's no 
turning back. So I started writing short stories. I, I wrote six novels from like age 13 to 19. Um, I wrote a lot of fan fiction, wrote a lot of poetry, but, Co um, Oh yeah. Colin was telling me that I need to, I need to find some of your old fan fiction. Mm, I don't think any, I didn't publish any of the fan. Well, there might be, he was, he was telling me, he was saying that there was something that you, I could find that I should, I should have brought up on the podcast, but oh. I didn't remember. Well, there might be the Harry Potter fan fiction out there somewhere. Yeah. I, I don't know if, <laughs> I didn't post any of the Twilight fan fiction online. Maybe it was the Twilight stuff that he was, I don't remember. I mean, I, what, yeah, I mean, uh, what were you a, into? Like, like who was your, when you started writing, who was like your go-to author? Like if you were going to read a book. Um, oh God. I mean, I read a lot of like action and thrillers and mysteries. So I read a lot of R.L. Stein. I read a lot of his oh, nice. Goosebumps series, but he also wrote a lot of teen slasher and horror books. Really? Um, I was reading a lot of Anthony Horowitz. He's like a middle grade writer and his stuff was about like kids with superpowers. And he also wrote the Alex Ryder series, which is oh, like okay. this. I was going to say, I yeah, think it's like I a kid spy series. And yeah. I wanted to be a detective so fucking Dude, bad. Dude, didn't we all? And, uh, and I, Scholastic read, book uh, fairs and shit like yeah, that. They would have yeah. all those like spy shit. You're oh, like, oh, yeah. dude, I want that. And so I read a lot of, and I, I mean, I loved like, I mean, I didn't love a lot of the books we read in school, but there were some books that we were assigned that really impacted me, and I think kind of fed into like the kind of writer I wanted to be earlier on, <laughs> like, oh, like uh, <laughs> Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech, or yeah, and I, yeah, I was reading. A lot of like series like Gone by Michael Grant. That's that's oh. a book series about a bunch of kids in a town where everyone over the age of fifteen disappears, and it's like basically Lord of the Flies over the course of six books, and they're all like I don't know. It's, it's Gone, wild. Gone series by Michael Grant. Interesting. And you said it's a town of kids. Yeah, that where everyone over the age of fifteen disappears, and the town is enclosed by a dome, and some of them start to gain superpowers slash become mutants, and it's very Savage. like much about morality and good versus evil, and what happens when children have to survive without adult supervision. Did you ever read uh, the ha I think Hatchet Haddocks uh, Found? the found mm. series no no it yeah it's like one of the books that like when i was younger but like uh i think i have it oh yeah um, right here it's a book about a bunch of uh kids who like are all adopted they find out and they like figure out that they're all like fuck yeah like they're like <gasps> All fucking. Oh my God, I would have loved this shit. Yeah, uh, you can borrow if you want. No, yeah. I will. I was gonna say it's like they're a bunch of kids and they uh, find out that they're like history people. You showed me. Wait. Oh, I yeah, go sh show the yeah. This is a uh, Ma Margaret Haddocks, Peterson Haddocks. You said do they find out that they're history uh, people? I I don't want to. Okay, not, okay. Don't yeah. spoil it. Don't spoil yeah. it. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Because I was reading. Because it was like one of those books that I was like. Because I was really into. When I actually started reading, I was kind of into like, like, uh, like thriller stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there was this book about like this girl that was that had like drowned in a pool, and like these people would visit like this camp, and uh, this girl had a friend, and I was like, that was a good story that I, I don't remember what that one was called, but yeah, I was like really into like spy shit like that and everything. Okay. So, but that's cool. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. yeah, I'm glad that you're gonna yeah check that out. Yeah. Let me know what you think because. I thought it was a pretty interesting read. I haven't read it again, but like I, I've read it two or three times in my life, mm -hmm. so I don't read a lot. So <laughs> that's yeah. a lot yeah. for me. Oh shit! But uh, yeah, man. So uh, you became an author, and then you you know started writing all these short stories and stuff like that. When did you start taking it seriously? Uh, I mean, honestly, I <laughs> from the beginning, honestly, because. I was very much a kid where I'd find a hobby and I'd obsess over it for a period of time and then leave it. And then I had certain hobbies that stuck. Like I think before I wanted to be a writer, I really wanted to be a spy or detective. So I was a part of Spy Academy, Detective Academy. I'd buy, I'd basically do like a stakeout in my room. Oh shit. And I don't know. It was like, it was so extra, but I loved, I don't know. I loved hobbies so much as a kid. And so when I started writing, 
even at 13, I, I remember watching the Oprah Winfrey show and there was this girl on the show who got published at 14 and she wrote a novel at 13 and got published at 14. Wow, and, shit. and I remember seeing that and thinking, oh, I'm going to do that by the time I'm 15. And so I researched the publishing industry like by 15, like I had written so many short stories and I knew I wanted to write a novel. I wrote a novel and actually in high school, I tried to query literary agents and for people that don't know, querying is basically when you write a pitch letter for your book and you send it to literary agents who try to sell your book for you. And I and I th think I sent out like, I don't know, like 12 query emails and I actually got like a few really nice rejections from literary agents that were just like, you're young, but keep writing. Um, so I mean, I, I took it seriously. Like I knew, okay. then I was like, by the end of high school, I wanna see if I can get a book deal. And then in college, it was like, by the end of college, I wanna see if I can get a book deal. Um, yeah. And now, look at you. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got a book deal. I do have a book deal, yeah. After college, it's happened. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it, it's taken a long time. And so the name, the title of your book is uh, uh, When They Tell You to Be Good, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Hell yeah. And this is a memoir, correct? Yeah. Hell yeah. And so uh, you went to OU for a little bit. I forgot. What did you major in? Creative writing. Creative writing. Graduated 2015. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Hell yeah. And so you you said you like to be a spy it's very interesting because you've kind of taken on like a you know a sort of like activist you know style now and it's uh so it's interesting that like you now can use that old interest of like investigation and like you know mm -hmm. staking out to like really get down to actual matters and like oh you know i'm not just gonna write you know this surface level story about something i'm gonna go in there and like actually fu fucking figure some shit out like yeah. what's happening yeah and i think for me it's like i l loved writing before i think i really understood myself as being racialized like i mean i knew i was black i knew i was jamaican but i was still a kid and i was also figuring out that i was gay but my senior year of college was when michael brown was killed and so i basically started classes my senior year and Black Lives Matter was starting and I'd been a I was a creative writing major but I don't know I mean that was when I really realized I was like okay I want to organize around these things but I also want to find a way to Do understand why this is happening okay, and yeah. how to write about it so I started reading more black literature I started listening to like speeches by like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and I don't know it's like I think college so, so even you were like so you weren't always like super privy on the stuff? I mean, in, I mean, it's kind of, so before high school, I just knew what you were taught in school, yeah. which is like civil rights, Martin Luther King, <laughs> blah, blah. Exactly. Um, and I mean, I grew up in a Jamaican family, so there's also that history. But in terms of like understanding it in my body. Yeah. I think it's like that's a different thing like you can learn something in school but when you understand like these things that happened in the 60s are directly connected to the con social conditions I live in now and in high school I had a teacher that was a communist and like taught us oh, all shit. about communism that's crazy. and like <laughs> communism in China and the Soviet Union. It was honestly a lot, but um that was also like where I kind of first started getting radicalized and so it's kind of interesting that there's like these steps along the way. So high school was kind of an experience and then college was kind of where I got more radicalized and writing kind of changed for me. And that's when I sort of started blogging. I had a blog that I would like write about my travels and experiences. And yeah, so I, I think a few of those videos. Yeah. 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 And so I think, I don't know, it's like the more how when I've changed over time in my life, the function of writing has also changed as well with like how I organize like politically because it's like I don't write about everything I do organizing wise because some of the shit people don't need to know yeah <laughs> so it's so you said do both your parents or is your parents still together no okay is your mom here yeah okay so I've talked to a few uh like there's a few comedians whose parents are like from Somalia mm -hmm. or and stuff like that and one of the things that I've <clears throat> notice is that they tend to say that their parents are like racist is that something that you find with your family too is that I mean, I'd like say true? my mother my mother is prejudiced in some ways against white people oh but, well um, i was talking more like towards like black people oh i mean yeah yeah 
Yeah. I was like, because that's like a, just like a very interesting dynamic. I mean, anti. I, I think it's. I think it's like one way I view it is like there's the whole conversation about racism, which I think has become. I guess more accepted or at least understood in the mainstream in terms of like people understanding that it's a conversation. But in, but when I think of like how you expand it, like I think of anti-blackness yeah. as like a, a socio-political construct that operates globally. And it's like there are people that aren't African-American who are anti-black and that's because of <coughs> white supremacy yeah. and colonialism. So yeah, I mean, I grew up so with my it, mom like so would you say calling the kids like, in my neighborhood like nigglets and stuff like that. It's like, yeah. So would you, so would you say that like uh, it's more of like a hatred, not like, well, I mean, depending on who you are, but like a hatred towards like a- just African Americans in general? I mean, I, I would say it's, it's, I, I, I would just, say it's more of a class thing. It's like Oh, you you, so immig- they you feel higher in class. You immigrate to the U.S. Uh, and you okay. come for a better life. You come for resources, and you view the way that things are more difficult in the country that you came from. And you come to the U.S. and you look at the news and what did what did Reagan do in the in the '80s? Welfare queens like attacking poor, anti-poor programs. I mean, that was when my mother was in the U.S. and yeah. like a teenager and starting her first like days as a hairstylist and so it's like if i look at the messaging of where the u.s was and what my mother would eventually just i don't know it's just like and it's like you immigrate to the u.s and if you're from an immigrant community you tend to hang out with other immigrants and maybe you mingle with other people in the community but it's like it just depends and so i think i like growing up i i mean the more over time i view it as also a lot of it is class it's like we came here and we came here to do this hard work and these black people aren't grateful for the opportunities and resources that they have. But I, but like how I feel now as an adult is that there is room for like solidarity. And that's like kind of what I try to explore in my writing. Like how can I look at the black side of my identity and look at the Caribbean side and understand like how those can come together and how both of those are equally difficult for me in a lot of ways. But but I, I do think there is, there is room i just think it's like for older people that immigrated here like my mother's generation it's like how can i theoretically go to her and be like you're anti-black you don't understand all these things it's like the conversation i think at least between like younger people and like immigrant families and older people i think it has to be about like how do we share space with people of like different backgrounds and identities even within the diaspora because it's like i'm gay but my mother literally doesn't know any other gay people other than the ex-gay at her church <laughs> so it's wow. like how do we get caribbean people to like actively hang out with gay people or yeah. it's, it's, i don't know so i think it's like it's a big yeah to me it's like a big conversation um is your mom like a conservative at all i mean i would say she's I mean, in some ways, socially moderate. I'd say she used to be more socially conservative, but I'd say she's more Cause socially was, Yeah, because I was always wondering, because I know that sometimes, like, uh, like when immigrants come over here, they'll, like, start, like, voting, like, Republican or something like that. Yeah, my mother like, would never <laughs> vote Republican. But in terms of, like, social issues and, I mean, like, Jamaica has a lot of homophobia, like, oh. shit tons. So it's, like... And that's like tied over from British How colonialism. How hard was it to like come out? And when did you come out? If you don't mind fi- talking about fifteen. That. Okay. I mean, it was really hard. Like I, I grew up hearing a lot of casual homophobia. I wasn't a tough black kid, so I was teased a lot growing up. And when you're teased and accused of being gay you learn how your family reacts to people thinking that. And it was always like, show them that you're not gay. Like. If they say this about you, say it about their mom. Like, stick up for yourself. And the message was never <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And and, the me- and and so the message was never like, yeah. it's just uh, yeah. Kids were weird as nuts back then, yeah. dude. That's what my mom told me to do back. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, so it was it was horrible. I mean, I was really. I mean, from ages twelve to fifteen, I was. I mean, I'd say for like half of that, I hated myself. And then the other half, I was wondering how am I going to deal with this when this explodes my entire life? And at some point I decided that I 
wanted to come out before college because I didn't want to be one of those people that waited until they were 40. Um, But my mother read my journal without me knowing and found out that way. And um, Did she confront you? Yeah. Yeah. And so that happened when I was 15. And that was really horrible. She had me talk to a woman who she knew, whose hair she did, who identified as an ex-gay um started going to therapy but it wasn't like an ex-gay therapist it was actually a nice lady who helped me process a lot of shit um then my brother came out my older brother's gay um, oh hell yeah then my dad got out of prison and then, and then he then came I, out as gay no everyone then, came out no 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 i that. went to jamaica and i told him <laughs> that i was gay and then i went to college um, hell yeah so um cliche question but did you always know hmm I don't know. I feel like that's a hard question because it's like you're socialized to be straight. Yeah. And I, or at least for me, it was like I was socialized to be straight until I realized I wasn't. Like, so. w- w- was there like a point in time in your life that you could like look back on and been like, that was like the time you're like, oh, maybe I'm like not into it. Probably like 11. Dang. Maybe 10. Yeah, probably, probably 10. 10. 10 was when I was like. What is this feeling? There's more <laughs> in my class. And so probably ten, honestly, yeah. Dang. Okay. That's when did when did you know you were straight? Um, I I still don't know. We'll still figure it out. You okay. know what I mean? We still got time. Good you answer. Know, I might be one of those closeted forty year olds that mm-hmm. come out. Yeah. You know, later on, Good I'll answer. get married. I'll get fucking have kids, and then I become super famous and rich. And I'm like, you know what? It's time to do what I want. Yeah. There's a TikTok community for everyone. <laughs> Isn't that fucking true though? I was just we were I was on TikTok the other day and I sent him a video and I like I think the algorithm is still trying to figure out what I'm all about mm-hmm. and so like I cuz I don't get on there very often and I was just on there the other day scrolling through stuff and it was like anti-war for Ukraine mm-hmm. but it was a bunch of women in Paris topless oh. just and they were just like uh like peace in Ukraine or like ceasefire and and they all had their titties out, and I was like, "Well, this is my Saturday, I guess." Mm. This is and they dress scantily clad because the longer you watch, the more they, the algorithm pushes it out. Oh shit! So Go! You, so being confused was a factor that they wanted. Damn! And then I was like, I mean, some of them were nice, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, they were making good points, is what I was trying to okay. say. Like, I. I listened to the whole video a okay. few times. I need to make sure Good. that... Especially on that topic. Yeah. I'm, glad you, I'm glad you focused. <laughs> oh, shit. Man, so you went, graduated uh, from OU with creative writing. And then afterwards, um, I think I read that you went to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Did a little bit of like traveling for abroad. How was that? Uh I moved to Seattle and I worked as a boycott organizer for three months. And then you said I a what? Boycott organizer okay. for a labor union. So I basically stood outside of stores and yelled at people. <laughs> um, and then I worked as a bank teller for people without housing at um, this really great organization called Compass Housing Alliance. Um, and then I was kind of like, I don't think I want to live in a city like Seattle at this point in my life. I don't want to pay this much money for the kind of city that this is, which... Were you I, still I, doing I, writing over there, too? Uh, I was blogging, but, um, yeah, I mean, like, personal writing. Um, and I was, like, organizing a little bit with, like, some people that I knew there. Um, so I was, like, I think I was just really aware of all of the issues with gentrification, and I was thinking, like, where do I want to stay and, like, be and, like, help out and organize long-term? And Seattle didn't feel like that was the place that I could do the kind of work that I wanted to do. So I thought, let's go to Paris. <laughs> and then I um, went to France for the first time and I went to Paris. Uh, I went to Lyon. I went to Chambéry. I went to, where did I go? I also went to Hungary and I went to Spain. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that Dang. was my first trip like abroad as an adult. Damn. Um, it was like four weeks. How, how would you, know. you say, did that change you at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, I don't know. I think I honestly view myself as an adult. Any time where I've made a major life change, I've always chosen to travel after. And that was the first real time that I did that. And I don't know. Honestly, that trip gave me so much more back that I even now still appreciate or have appreciated. So it's just like, 
I don't know. I, I it was like immediate gra- instant gratification because I, I don't know. It just opened me up, and I was like, yeah. oh, all this doing this is possible. That's interesting. So yeah. you said that after you do a big life change, you always travel afterwards. Yeah, I mean, I tend to. Yeah, that's interesting because. I found like because when I decided to do comedy, I had gone and see saw a comedy show. I was like, man, I need to get back up on stage and start doing stuff again. Because mm-hmm. I used to do theater and stuff, but I never done stand up before. And I was like, I need to do this. Yeah. And then literally right after I decided I was going to do it, I went to New Zealand mm-hmm. and I came back mm-hmm. and I started on like the journey of being a stand up comedian. Yeah. And it's like it's going good so far, but it's just like that's interesting that you said that that. You know, you make a life change and then you go and travel afterwards. Yeah. It's almost like it cements it in your head. I mean, I think it's at that time, I remember I was living in Seattle and I came back to Cleveland for New Year's Eve and I was talking to my best friend's dad and I was like, I'm nervous. I have all these plans. This is what I want to do. And he was like, oh, it seems like you really trust yourself. And when he said that, it clicked something because I was like, I don't trust myself, but the fact that you think I do makes me think I should trust myself. And yeah. so I think um, <clears throat> kind of like in terms of transitions, it's like if you're already in a space where you're renegotiating your relationship with how you trust yourself, it's like sometimes you need something in the immediate moment to prove like, oh, I can fucking do this. And I think travel kind of operates in that way for me. Um, yeah, in some ways. Isn't it crazy how like someone will say something to you that's like a like a compliment that you like totally don't feel about yourself mm-hmm. and it like totally just, like changes your like attitude about yeah. it cuz like I feel like you know with the ugh, I just bit my tongue. Uh uh with this podcast, I feel like I, you know, I don't feel very organized, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, still kind of sporadic with some of the stuff, but like when I'm trying to get people on and I'm like showing them like the schedule and everything, they're like, wow, you're like really organized. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, uh, I mean, I guess, but yeah. like not, I don't feel it, but like, <laughs> yeah. I guess I, you yeah. know, I, I just say that like, if you're not organized, something like this will like, doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like you have to like be organized. You have to have a time frame Cause it's like, like EJ, like once he finally like finds a job, like in his field, yeah. like it's like, you know, we have to be on a time frame. It can't yeah. be like, oh, let's do Tuesday today, and then we'll do Thursday next week, and yeah. then we'll just do Wednesday today, you know, this week or whatever. And it's like you can't do that. Yeah. You have to, you have to be a little. And it's bit like, more what do you want your body of work to be? Do you want it to be some haphazardly thrown together piece of shit? Exactly. Or do you want it to be something you're proud of. That's what I'm saying. And I, I, we, I was talking to somebody recently who wanted to start a podcast, and I told them I was like, you know. Like I'll, you know, I'll, I'm down to help you, but like you also just need to have a little bit more planned out. Like, you know what I mean? Because it's like you have a concept, but you just gotta, you know. And as soon as people see you doing something, they want to hop <laughs> on. And I'm like, bitch, you don't even, you don't, you're not even giving forty percent. Yo, isn't that crazy? Like, I didn't even, like, I was like, nobody even knows about me and cares about me. But then it's like I started this podcast, and you get like, you know, it, it's like one or two people that like are like the sleepers you get them and then everyone's like hey uh what about me like mm-hmm. are you gonna ask me to be on mm-hmm. and it's like wow this is great mm-hmm. the amount of message i was telling him the other day mm-hmm. the amount of messages that i get about people wanting to be on the podcast yeah. is awesome it's oh, just God. like it's Good. great well and that's like like we were talking about earlier like you were saying about like you know showcasing people and everything it's like you know the whole point is to get everybody involved mm-hmm. because like i was telling somebody this uh recently where it's like you know a lot of people when they see people blow up you know become famous you know get on movies get book deals and crazy shit this is what they see they just see this mm-hmm. they just see like someone oh this person blew up yeah <clears throat> but like the thing that i was telling somebody it's like if you if you're somebody who wants to make it up here but you're not talented enough like to just shoot up like that you know it's a lot easier to like get as many people as you can and help them out and then it's almost like a like a ladder because then then you help out some people and then everybody else is like oh shoot i want to get involved i want to get involved and eventually you have a fucking army of people that you're involved with that like you know are part of your podcast or you know you're getting to show them off you know, and it's a twofold thing. Yeah. They're getting to show off all of their shit. They get the, you know, exposure and everything. Yeah. And then I'm getting, you know, the views and all that shit. So it's like, it's everyone's helping each other out. And it's yeah. a beautiful thing yeah. when you can do that. I love when I interview people and they're like, 
I've never been interviewed before. Dude. Or something like that. I've, the last, like, three or four people that I had on. First, Colin's first mm. podcast. The guy that I just had on, it was his first podcast, I think. Yeah, I think maybe uh, Brian Harris. No, no, no. I think he maybe had done a podcast before. But, yeah, I was going to say, I've had a few first-timers on here. And it's like, and it feels so great because mm. it's like, I'm not even a huge podcast. So I'm like, yeah. oh, this is so great. Yeah. This is so great. So you've been doing the podcast for a year, and uh, what um, what like uh, platforms are you on? Are you on all of them? Yeah, yeah. I use Anchor too. Yeah. Shout out to Anchor! But shout um, out yeah. to Anchor. You guys but, um, know they're good. But I and yeah, it's it's everywhere. You can basically listen to podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sweet. And then. Um, and do you do normally like one, two people? Like, how do you normally do it? Like, um. I usually interview one person at a time. Um, sometimes I think about like experimenting with format more, but I haven't done that yet. I mean, I've only done one interview where I've interviewed two people at the same time. Um, but usually it's just one person. Yeah. Tomorrow yeah. we have Palette Knife coming on. Mm, so we're going to okay. have all of them. Wow. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> I've never done the multiple mic thing either. Wow. So this is other than like just the two. Yeah. But. I wonder how that, how, it yeah, so we're gonna have yeah we're gonna have this camera, and then they're bringing another tripod, and we're gonna have another camera for wow. this person here. So yeah, it's gonna be nuts. We're gonna see what happens. It's yeah, we have my backup guy doing that episode tomorrow. Hope they so. don't get too stoned. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Shoot, dang. So, oh man, I would love to travel over in Europe. You fucking loved it over there. Yeah. What was your favorite spot? Um, if you could go back to one of those places tomorrow. Oh my god! Like that's Prince, a hard question. I got a fucking ticket to blank. Um, Where is it? Um. Ah, uh, that's such a hard question. I mean, I don't know. I immediately, I guess, my mind immediately says the Philippines. Um, oh, really? Just because I spent. I mean, other than how, how long did you spend in each spot? Uh, the first time I went to France, I was there for three weeks. The next trip I did was in 2018, and I was there for three months. And then I spent a month and a half in Morocco, Fez, Morocco. The next trip I did was in 2019. I went to France again for a month, went to like Spain for a little bit. And then later that year, that was when I did that residency in India. So I was there for a month, and then I went to the Philippines for a week after, and then... Wow. Um, oh, and then at the end of 2016 was when I went to the Philippines for the first time. And I was there f shit from January to March of 2017. And then I went to South Korea. I worked at a hostel in Busan for a month. Wow. Yeah. Dang. But, yeah. But out of all those places, I mean, if somebody Damn. gave me out of all those, I mean, but it's also like, yeah, I'd say the Philippines. That's a lot of places. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. You yeah. really went. Yeah. And I have also like worked in Yellowstone National Park. I worked in Big Sky, Montana for two summers. Damn. Yeah. Damn. That's like, that's like one of the things that I was telling my brother the other day. Cause I mean, I've only been to New Zealand that was like my first time out of the country like really ever my first time leaving mm -hmm. like Ohio really I've been yeah. to Florida to visit my grandmother but it was never like you know visiting Florida it was just my grandmother so but like dude like traveling like just does something mm -hmm. especially when you get to meet different cultures like the thing that I love the most about New Zealand was that like the natives over there are like ingrained into mm. society. Okay. Like it's not like it's not like in America where it's like if you see a Native American, it's like, oh shit. It's like that's like the only one in this school or, yeah. you know, the only one at this job in this yeah. state. There, it's like you see tattooed faces mm. just walking in the grocery store, sitting next to you in the fucking, yeah. you know, restaurant. And it's amazing. So would you say like there's a deeper mainstream understanding of indigeneity there. Maybe. I, I don't really, I know that they're a little bit more lib on the liberal side. So I feel like they probably are. I don't know. Like I don't know what, the, yeah, I don't know what their policies or something. Yeah, I don't know if they, I don't know what their actual like relationship is with them. Like if mm -hmm. it's like, you know, like we still have a bunch of their land that we're not giving them back or something like that. But I know that like, at least dude, they were like the nicest people, man. Like, I was telling somebody one day, I was in the airport, and one of the fucking uh, 
native lady, she was sitting across from me, and she saw that I had my ukulele, and she's like, oh, do you play? And I was like, yeah, I play a little bit. And she's like, you should play me a song. And I was like, oh, uh. And so, and I was like, all right. I played uh, Can't Help Falling in Love Mm. by Elvis Presley, and then like 10 people started singing in the Mm. airport and i was like oh my god it was like the most emotional moment i think in my life you were leaving huh Uh, no it was just like in the middle of the trip we were like going on a plane to go to another like city and she was just like talking to us and uh you know asking me about that and it oh dude it like that is like one of those things i'm more of a people person when i go out to places i just love chatting with people me too yeah and it's like i'm i i'm not talking to old men (laughs) old men or like other or straight men because when i i don't know it's like when i travel it's like i'm not gonna tell everyone i'm gay because you don't know what can happen but like when i can like really like and then other guys start talking to me. I'm like, oh, my God, I have friends. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> but it's because they think I'm like, sh- yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it's like before they know that you're gay, they're like, their guards are down. Yeah, they're like, how many girls have you fucked? And I'm like, ah. oh, my God. <laughs> like, can we wait to talk about this? <laughs> but it's like, of course, you're over-sexualized as a black man wherever you go. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah man. I thought about that because I was like, man, like, you know, you know, guys talk, you know, how guys talk. So it's mm. like, you know, if you meet somebody for the first time, you know, do you immediately tell them or do you kind of just like, you know, let it like, cause you're like a, you know, you're a proud gay man. So it's not like you're hiding it or anything mm. now, but it's like, if, you know, it's not obvious to somebody, I guess, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how do you just jump straight into it? Like, yeah, I'm gay. Or no. are you just like, no, I mean, I code switch for my safety. That's something I learned whoa, whoa, as, what? code switch yeah what's that uh it's i mean it's a term for i mean it's typically associated with i'm learning like shit. how black people you code switch you talk a certain way around black people you can talk a certain way around white people oh i, I do that yeah shit. <laughs> yeah and so code switch i mean for me it's like oh shit. i know when to change certain ways and mannerisms that i have based on how safe or unsafe i feel in that situation and part of that is just wow. like homophobia that you learn from people around you growing up from your parents from other people in your class um but for me when i travel it's also like a safety thing because it's like when i first went to the philippines i was couch surfing which is essentially like facebook for travelers where you can request to sleep on someone's couch and and so i people were being very hospitable and friendly but it's also like i'm literally in someone else's home and i don't know how you're going to react to this part of my identity and i'm not going to put myself in danger because i don't understand yeah. if you're so, sleeping I mean, on someone's couch yeah and so granted like murder you i mean and so granted Fuck. the first month i was there i stayed with this Whoa. um man named alex who was really nice like opened up his home to me like was poor like lived in like what a lot of people like i think a lot of travelers wouldn't necessarily hang out in that neighborhood because it was just like where a lot of people that were lower income lived it wasn't necessarily slums but i felt comfortable there and he and we shared groceries and stuff but i never told him that i was gay because it's like I'm living in your house. You are. And it's also like if people literally assume you're straight because you're a black man and the only way that they see black men is basketball players, rappers, or porn stars, it's just like, why am I going to go through this awkward, potentially traumatizing thing? Because I don't know. And so it just literally depends. And Alex also, I mean, did he try to have me sleep with his neighbor who was a woman like three times? Did I have to (laughs) finagle my way out of it by being like, oh, I just got over a breakup and I only date black women? Like, (laughs) so it really just depends. But I mean, I will tell you, like, I left the Philippines and I went to South Korea. And granted, South Korea is has a lot of Western influence in a lot of ways through tech and the media, etc. But I was working in a hostel and I didn't tell anyone that I was gay right away and eventually when I did it was totally fine because it was a bunch of people from around the world and different countries like traveling like and so it just depends on the environment and now let me ask you this has anybody have you ever been to another country where it's like you know gay is like being looked down upon and like someone has come out to you that like hasn't like come out yet like you know what I mean like have you ever been like staying couch surfing and then like you're talking with somebody and they're like man they open up to you and they're like i'm gay but like i can't tell my family or something like that i don't think that's ever happened never happened to you no that's crazy because i i it is like really weird living in america just like i'm just so like you know what i mean like trans gay you know what i mean it's like 
someone could walk up to me and tell me that they're a fucking unicorn and I would just be like, you know, it's America, you know, mm. I guess. But it's like, it's so crazy to me that in like other countries that that is like, they'll just fucking murder you. Yeah. For but the that. pendulum swings, it's like what bills and policies are being passed right now. Like, yeah. they don't say gay bill and. <laughs> I don't know. It's like the the pendulum. They don't it's, say gay. Is that a thing? Is that, yeah, is that what I, I think it? it's in Texas or Florida, but it's basically like if you reveal your sexuality to like I think it's like maybe to someone at your school, like yeah, it has to bring up sexuality. They can be sued. Yeah. By the, and, yeah. And, uh, advocates have called it the "Don't Say Gay" bill, but it's actually called something else. But yeah, <laughs> God damn it, dude. What the fuck? So we, we ain't that far off. Don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> we, we're not that far off. Big Santos. Yeah. Damn. And it's like, how long ago did gay marriage get legalized? I don't know. It's like 10, 15 years ago. Dang. It's like, that's, that's within my lifetime. And until that happened, like, my brother got kicked out of the military for being gay. Really? It's just like... I don't know. So it's just like, it's, I feel like it's just perspective because it's also like how many trans people are being killed all the time, black trans women. So it's just like, it is perspective. Yeah. And so when I go to other places, it's like, I'm not going to insert my identity (laughs) beyond how I already insert myself as a black person who's being stared at and shit all the time anyway, Um, based on where I go. So it's just like that being a gay person in America is, uh, like still like super hard or do you think it's getting easier like do you think it's being more accepted or uh i mean i think is that in, just columbus is i it? think it i think the white gay joisee is has been assimilated into the <laughs> middle class and the upper class and so to me it's like that's the gay, wa- the gay, the gay joisee so i to me it's like there's one very racialized mainstream palatable version of being gay and then there's all the other shit that's like more queer or more subversive or is more gender deviant and it's like to me it's like there's the accepted version and then there's the more unaccepted versions and i what think what would you cons- are you a part of the accepted version i i don't know like i didn't know that they were like different gays you know i didn't yeah. know that they, you know what i mean i mean for me it's just like i i can I can be palatable. He can code or, switch. Or I can not he can, be. Yeah, he can yeah. code switch between classes. He, he knows who to talk to and yeah, how to talk. So it just depends. That's crazy. Wow. Okay. Do you... Um, okay. So what what do you think? Uh, I saw... So you went you went to Seattle. I was like, hold on. There's a lot of stuff that you've done. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just like going yeah. through it. You, uh, you currently write for a website right now correct or you use i freelance oh freelance yeah. okay um are you currently writing for something what was it right ah fuck i thought you were doing something right now currently uh, maybe not so your book though that's through tin house publishing mm-hmm. where are they where are they at portland portland mm-hmm. hell yeah and how did you get how did this all happen because like this is actually like you know, interesting to me because it's like, how do you get a book deal? Like, what's, yeah. what does um, that entail? I, so you can, there's a few different ways that you can go about getting a book deal. You can self-publish, which is when you write the book, you set up the e-file, you set up the the actual physical copy and try to market and sell it yourself. But um, I have, I basically, so when I was in India for my residency in 2019, I wrote an essay for a catapult story about like my connection to James Baldwin and going to France and that um, got a lot of attention online and a literary agent reached out to me um, in like February of 2020 and um, I'd been working on this memoir for the last like year or two. I was maybe 70% of the way through it and so through 2020 I finished the book and I signed with that literary agent and that agent basically helped me edit the book like through the pandemic like we would meet on FaceTime one day out of the week read a chapter aloud and edit it and then go through the book and we went through the book two or three times that way and then in January of 2021 um, we went on submissions which is basically when your literary agent comes up with a list of publishers that they think that the book could be viable for they come up with the pitch letter which is like their pitch for the book. Um, They come up with a list of editors they want to send it out to. And I went on submissions and I was on submissions until July. So basically seven months. And I went through two rounds of submissions. I think the book went out to like 30 publishers 
everyone rejected it. And my agent was like, I want to take a break from agenting. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, I'm oh, fucked. damn. Um, but, but luckily, um, I, because I've freelance, um, I've written a few essays with Hanif Abdurraqib as an editor, and he's a writer here in Columbus that a lot of people know. Um, and he basically just offers advice to me sometimes through just knowing my writing and my work ethic. And so when I went on submissions, I went to him for advice. Um, and then I didn't have an agent. And so I basically started looking for a new literary agent because I was like, I still want to try and sell this book. And it's also a lot because I also actually, I did get a book offer before my literary agent parted ways with me. It was a white guy in New York that wanted to pay me $1,000 for it. And I actually don't think he really read the book. So I said no. Um, <laughs> but around that time, uh, I was doing residencies and Hanif reached out to me and he was like, the news isn't out yet, but I'm going to be an editor at large at Tin House. And I want to read your book um, to see if maybe I could acquire it. And I was like, Tin House already rejected it, but you could read it. <laughs> and he wanted to read it and he liked it. And so he went to them and he was like, I want to acquire this book because he acquires three books a year. Um, and I think my book is the first one that he acquired through that position. Dude, nice. Mm -hmm. See, and this is what it it pays to have friends it yeah. really does like and this is what i'm telling you it's like it's that ladder thing it's like you know you're friends with this guy and it's like you guys help each other out it's mm -hmm. like you know who knows down the line you might have a situation where you're able to help him out instead you know what yeah. i mean and it's like that's a beautiful thing i love it when like you know people get you know people shit. that's awesome yeah damn so first book Mm -hmm. comes out in October yeah. of 2022. That's this year. Damn. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all strange and I don't have anything to compare it when to. It's, and it's done, right? Yeah. It's done, done. Yeah. So yeah. you're not going to touch it anymore. Um, I think right now we're basically going through final passes is what's going to happen soon. So I turned in copy edits, which is basically like the editor asking me why I chose a certain tense or looking at grammar or certain patterns and how I write and just making sure that the choices are intentional and final passes is like literally like you, you can't really change anything else. It's like you're moving this or that around. But um, so the book is basically like pretty much done. Yeah. Damn. That's gotta be crazy. So you're going to, so you're just like sitting on it until October. Yeah, I mean, until well, I mean, I mean, I mean, they're working like they're getting shit figured out, you know, printing yeah. and everything. But like, you just got to wait until yeah. then. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. But I'm also working on another book right now as well. So it's like I for them have... or just like another some. No, it's uh, I mean, this is a book that I'm hoping my agents will try to sell by the end of the year. Um, but it's a novel. OK, yeah. so so you just kind of like write books and then just kind of give them to people and be like sell this please i mean that's what your agent does yeah because okay. they get a commission that's how they get paid okay yeah and so um so you have like a contract with all these guys and everything and mm -hmm. that's awesome yeah that's fucking dope man yeah so how does it feel to be like a professional writer like do you like wake up and you're like oh this is uh, surreal what's going on i don't know i mean in a lot of ways, it's been a very gradual process. Because, I mean, if you're and having I, a publishing place, like, you know, publish it, then it's probably going to get, you know, at least sell a few copies. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. I mean, I don't I don't, I don't know if it's going to make me rich or not. But yeah. I feel like it's going to it's, – it's the start of a career, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's, like, the always the best. Like, I just started getting, like, you know, some small shows. You know, you get paid for shows, and it's, like, even, like, $20 here and there is, yeah. like – you just feel like, oh man, I just want to come back and do more. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's like, yeah. I can only imagine, you know, a fucking book because like, you know, you don't know how many, even if a hundred people buy the book, yeah. that's still a hundred fucking people. That's mm -hmm. like, and the next time, who knows, like fucking 500, a thousand people yeah. buy the book. Yeah, dude. I hope so too. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, so you're writing a novel right now? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. What, uh, without going into too much detail, uh like what what are we talking fantasy we talking uh, thriller it's a, it's a young adult novel set in 1986 and 1987 yeah. hell yeah hell yeah this is exciting mm -hmm. um when you're writing do you do do you try to focus on like realistic stuff or do you ever go like super crazy 
like like super you know like out of this world like you know super scientific or like fantasy or you know what yeah. i mean I mean, I've never been, like, a sci-fi or fantasy reader, really. Okay. I am into, like... In terms of, like, the kind of stories I'd like to tell, it's, like, I like mysteries. I like thrillers. I like suspense. I like really literary books. I like things that are really intentional with their language. Because, I don't know, for me, it's... Like, when I write, I think about the emotion and what the shift in the piece is, as okay. well as, like, how the language sounds and... To me, it's like I can like a part of a sentence if two really interesting words are together next to each other. And I think maybe that's like some of the slam poetry background that I had in college. But um, so for me, it's it's but mostly it's like more geared towards realism. But I do like things that have surrealist elements or deal with like our ideas about death or mortality or how we process time um, as well. Um, yeah. So you said slam poetry in mm -hmm. college? Yeah. Is slam po isn't that the, like the that isn't that the crazy one? Is that the one that like people like poke fun at cuz it's like oh it's like over the top. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, why, why not? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I did I I was a part of like a spoken word group for maybe a year. Um and I loved it. I mean, that was like around the time I took an acting class, so I feel like it was just all a part of How old are you? 27. Damn. You're an active 27-year-old, dude. It's like crazy because I'm like trying to get into all like you know all this different stuff and everything, and then I'm talking to other people who like you know either are working part time jobs, and I'm just like, why aren't you doing all this stuff? Like you could like like seeing all like I see people like you, you know, you just like acting classes, traveling abroad, and it's like you doing this all by 27. Yeah. Like you just said like fucking seven countries, and I'm just like. <laughs> 27 like yeah, but I, I mean did i do it all on the cheap do i make less than poverty hey. wages but it's it's to me it's just like how do you want to spend livable, your money though? and how do you want to like, spend your time and are it's you like, is it livable though yeah yeah like yeah. you're not like starving right no, no yeah yeah but i think it's just like i think when people see a lot of the things that i do it's like you either only get it through instagram or mm -hmm. a conversation or series of conversations so to me it's like i did do all of those things were there mistakes and mishaps and like yeah of course things that i could have done better or differently along the way and it's also like i'm an american with an american passport and so that's also like a certain level of privilege yeah as well um but it's also like i'm not gonna waste my time on this earth like i have things i want to do and it's like my dad made it to 33 it's like who knows what could happen so it's like yeah if i can go somewhere and live and like know people in another place and like use it to like learn something to me it's like why not uh fuck i just had something in my head and then i was gonna ask it and then it disappeared you said something and it triggered it fuck you just said uh what were we just talking about fuck what were traveling we traveling traveling oh living on a shoestring budget do, oh yeah, yeah i was gonna say when i was in new zealand um, one of the things that was super interesting is that we ran into a lot of tourists, like a lot of people who were just like backpacking and like doing like touring and everything. And it was interesting because when I was talking to them, I was like, man, like, how do you guys like have the money to do this? And they're like, oh, I just literally sold all my shit and then just left. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, yeah. like you like don't really realize like how not tied down to stuff you are when you mm -hmm. don't have bills like when yeah. you don't have an electric bill when you don't have a cable bill you're just like paying a phone bill yeah. which you can make you know fifty dollars in a month or something like that you know what i mean and yeah. then like maybe another hundred dollars here and there just yeah. doing and i mean jobs. when i was in the philippines i didn't spend more than five or six dollars a day usually when i Dang. was in morocco i was living at a hostel and i had my food provided for me so basically it was airfare the little food or hashish that I wanted to buy on the side. And so to me, it's like there are ways to actually go to other places and engage more deeply and to also maybe have it cost less because that's like some of the privilege of like having an internet, the internet yeah. and like these resources. And it's like, if I can use these resources, the Philippines, to, I think uh, the dollar conversion is like crazy, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. I mean, I, I got haircuts for like 60 cents. <laughs> Dude, some of the best haircuts of my life. Dude, I was going to say massages for $7 for an hour. Whoa. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say, I had a guy uh, that uh, I went to high school with who was from the Philippines, and his dad worked in America, and then he would send money to his family, and he said, yeah, we own, like, three houses mm-hmm. over there. And I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. And I met a lot of people that, like, teach English there, and they, like, that's how they support themselves, like, just doing that, like, a part-time. Okay. So, I mean, like, they, and these are, like, expats, yeah. like I'd say, but yeah. So what's next? For Prince, other than this novel, like, do you have any other things like in the works? Like, you're still doing the podcast. Yeah. You got this novel that you're working on in the back. Anything else that's like um, coming up? I'm waiting to hear back from grad schools. Okay. I'm moving, moving to New York. Okay. At the end of the summer. Um, or New York or wherever I get into grad school, if it's somewhere not New York. But um, yeah. I mean, honestly, but New York is like your goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I don't know. I've wanted to move there for, I don't know, at least three or New four York years. New York Times, oh. Prince Shakur. No, no, no. 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 I'm not, not writing ah. for them. No, <laughs> not mainstream media. No, um, <laughs> no. I, I think I'll just like maybe work at a bar or a cafe or get like a copywriting gig or a remote writing gig. Or maybe my book fucking sells out <laughs> and I get passive income. Or maybe this novel sells and... I make way more money That'd in advance, and um, so we'll see. I mean, a lot of changes are going to happen over the next year. So. Dude, I'm excited for you. Yeah. That's fucking dope, man. I'm so hyped. Have you ever thought about like, because um, I know, like I said, we've talked about it a little bit, but you do a little bit like you know activism, like writing and everything. Have you ever thought about doing like a like a group, like getting a group together, like if you were like in a town or whatever, finding some writers or whatever who are active in like you know either video recording or like going out to places have you ever thought about like trying to do something like that like get a column together or something um i have like um i mean i apply to grants here or there and i um i've had an idea for like a kind of citizens journalism collective for a while um in terms of like what that would look like in a new place we'll have to see but i mean it's definitely something i'm interested in but i think I don't know. It's it's not that I view my art and my organizing very differently, but it's just like there is a, the relationships I have with them are different in deep ways. It's like yeah. there are things that I can express myself through organizing that I will never be able to do through writing and like vice versa. Um, so maybe it would be interesting to see how those two worlds could live together. Um, and I'd kind of say like the YouTube channel I did Two Oak Minds was kind of an experiment in that. Like we did like short documentaries and traveled and had like lots of other ideas of things we wanted to do. But, um, yeah. Hell see. yeah. All right. So this is, a uh, just like for comedic, whatever. Is there any famous person that you know of right now that you think is a closeted gay person mm. that isn't like publicly? Mm. Mm. Cause you guys all like you guys all know, right? Like when you see a gay person, mm. like do you know for sure, or is it still hard to know? I mean, it. I don't know. It depends. Cause well, cause one time I was at a pool party and somebody was like, "Dude, Eddie, you're gay," and there was a gay guy who was there, and he's like, "Nah, dude, I can tell you're not gay. Oh. You're just fucking weird." I mean, it just depends. Cause it's also like. I don't know. <laughs> it depends. This <laughs> just, just depends. But um, I don't know. Celebrity? I don't know. No? Okay. I feel like there's one floating around in my head, but I can't think of who it is what about right now. Tom Cruise? John Travolta? I don't, I don't know. I don't really care about them. Yeah, so it's okay. kind of like, it's like, whatever. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay, well, who knew? I was I was just trying to see because like I like you can't I, you can't out people on your podcast. Hey, <laughs> hey, I was just wondering. I didn't know because like you know because like, like I said like he was like I can tell you're not gay, and I was like I don't know what that means. But like, I mean, I feel like there's a gay like to me it's less like can you tell whether or not someone's gay, but I think there are levels of gay. Like suck a dick gay is different than like. Oh, I, I'll acknowledge that another guy is hot. Like, I'm like, there's a fucking difference. If okay, yeah. I would acknowledge that a guy's hot. But would you suck a dick? I don't think so. Okay. So yeah. there's, a, there's a difference. <laughs> so I'm like level zero gay. That's like Well, I haven't really figured gay. out the numerology okay, of it. Yeah, but yeah, we'll yeah. figure it out. Yeah. 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 We, we're going to get a chart going. We're yeah. going gonna to get it on your website. Mm-hmm. and then 
Yeah, like, so I, I, would, I would change the question around and challenge people listening to this podcast oh. to think, are you a, I'll compliment somebody of the same sex gay or fingering, hand job? Who exactly. Knows? Maybe the question isn't, are you gay? How gay How are you? How gay are you? Yeah. I think that's a better question. That's a better question. Yeah. I, I love that because yeah. then it's like, because everyone's a little gay. Mm -hmm. Everyone's a little gay. Yeah. I think, you know, depending on how much money, everyone is a little gay. Okay, and yeah. even for a little bit of money. I mean, who knows? Yeah. I mean, depends on how hot they are. Like yeah. I said, <laughs> who knows? That's crazy. Yeah. Levels of gay. That's great. And then you, there's a gayjoisie. I'm learning so mm -hmm. much about, dude. Gayjoisie. <laughs> Fuck them. That was a great, <laughs> is that like a term? Yeah. Damn. The gayjoisie. It's like they hang out in the short north. They go to what's the bar <laughs> in the short north that uh, that people say like people get roofied at all the time. It's just like whoa, uh, uh, Scully's. I, don't know. I mean, I'm not. I <laughs> allegedly I'm, because I don't want any anyone coming back for me. But allegedly, oh, but I went to Scully's last night. Yeah, no, oh. it, was, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> no, did you get roofied? But I, that's the, literally the first time I've been to Scully's. Do people say that about Scully's? Uh, I I mean. I don't know if it's Scully's. I just hear that there's certain. I've heard. Bands. I've heard, allegedly, access. Like if you go there oh. and you're gay, like watch your drink. Whoa, honey. Yeah. Dang, that's. Uh, how how many gay bars have you been to? Is there I only mean, one in Columbus? Now? No, no, no. I mean, I don't go to a ton of them because it's also like, gayjoisie. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's a handful I've gone to. What's your favorite one that you've been to? Have you been to one that you're like, whoa, this is crazy? No. No? <laughs> no. There was that I, one that I hung out at a lot, but they have so many issues that I just can't. Oh, there shit. Anymore. Damn. Damn. All right. Well, Prince, your book, When They Tell You To, when they tell you to Be when Good. When They Tell You To Be Good. Yeah. Coming out October 2022. Mm -hmm. We're going to make sure that we have all your fucking links in there. Uh, is there any other, other than the Creative Hour podcast, is there any other like websites or anything that you want to push, like blogs or anything? Um, I mean, if people want to check out my YouTube channel, I share a lot of writing resources, okay. traveling videos. Um, for people that like want writing resources or perspective on what it's like to be a writer, I run a newsletter called Millennial Writer Life. Um, and you can always follow me on Instagram at SweetBlackPrince. And uh, give me compliments on my Instagram story. So, oh, dude. Yeah. I fucking love you. Thank you so much for being on. I fucking appreciate yeah. you so much. I'm so excited for you. This is like, like I said, I love watching people succeed. And I love watching Thank people you. fucking just like finally get their goals going and get their fucking dreams going. So yeah. this is great. So. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Yeah, yeah. no problem, dude. Thanks for coming it's on. It's fun to be on the other side. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for listening. This is Prince. And uh, we'll see you next week.